Well, researchers from the Rockefeller University uh, in the US have discovered that ant pupae produce a type of milk that acts kind of like a nutritional supplement for their whole colony. Dr. Joseph Milton from the Australian Science Media Centre is here. Uh, G'day, Joe. Can you explain how the immature ants create this milk and, and why is it so important to the colony? Uh, sure. Hi, Andy. Uh, so first, we just need to briefly explain the ant life cycle. Um, so first, you've got eggs. They hatch into larvae. Those larvae become pupae, and then they go on to become adult ants. Now, we had thought that the pupae stage was pretty much inactive and useless, a bit like an ant's teenage years, perhaps. Uh, but it turns out that they're actually really useful teens. They produce this milk-like substance for the adults, and it's also consumed by the newly hatched larvae. Dare I ask how they consume or ingest this nutrient-rich fluid? Yeah, so adult ants just uh, drink it straight off, um, and they actually put the newly hatched larvae on top of the pupae so that they can drink the milk. Um, and it can be a matter of life or death for, for an ant, or even for the whole colony, because we know that the larvae that don't get any milk, well, they grow very slowly, and they're more likely to die. And the pupae, if they're left to stagnate in their own milk, if, if no one drinks it, um, they develop nasty fungal infections and die too. Uh, so it's a really important role that we knew nothing about. And, and on that, uh, the fact that we knew nothing about it, there's an interesting reason why we've only just discovered this sort of life cycle or part of the ant's life cycle, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. And it's because um, scientists tended to focus on looking at the whole colony. And nobody was really looking at individual ants and what happens to them if you remove them from that colony. So what these guys did was they took each of the different stages and isolated them. Uh, and, uh, you know, then they were able to see what was happening. You can't see it when you're looking at a colony because the ants um, use up all of the milk, it's, it's all drunk and there's just none there for scientists to see. Dr Joseph Milton from the Australian Science Media Centre is here, keeping you up to date with the latest scientific research on RN Drive. You're with Andy Park. And good news for people who experience hair loss. New research suggests uh, certain supplements may help ex uh, those people experiencing hair loss. So what supplements are we talking about here? Well, several of the supplements that they looked at, and they were just looking at previous studies of these things, so they didn't actually do a new study, um, but several of them are proprietary hair loss supplement brands, uh, so um, I'm not really quite sure what's in there, but some of them are more well-known supplements, things like omega-3 and 6, that's fish oil, essentially, zinc supplements, that, that's supposed to help. Um, something called tocotrienol, which is a bit like vitamin E, and pumpkin seed oil. So some of those are relatively cheap. Uh, the the proprietary ones tend to be a bit pricier. Some of those ingredients sound uh, downright delicious too, uh, yeah. <laughs> and fairly cheap and widely available. I mean, uh, are these the kind of ingredients that you'd see in hair and nail supplements at the chemist or, or the supermarket? Yeah, in fact, I, I had a look uh, online, um, and most of those branded supplements, you can get them in Australia. They're, they are quite pricey, though. And those other supplements, well, they're very widely available, things like zinc and pumpkin seed oil, fish oils. Um, oh, and there's capsaicin as well that comes from capsicums. So those are, are pretty 
affordable. Um, they also, interestingly, listed some supplements that won't help you with hair loss, uh, including vitamin B12. Right. So what's the next step here? Because certainly uh, if this is looking at existing treatments uh, and also sort of new treatments, is the pathway forward to kind of compare uh, these treatments to approved hair loss uh, treatment drugs and things like that? Yeah, I think it would be, Andy. Uh, So they've not actually done that comparison here. They've just looked at existing studies on the supplements. So the next kind of obvious step would be to see how their performance compares with drugs that are approved for, for hair loss treatment. Um, and we don't really know which ones of these are the best uh, from from this study. It doesn't kind of rate them or anything like that. It just says there's some evidence that these ones probably have an effect. Um, but before we move on, I would like to urge all of our listeners to uh, approach supplements with a bit of caution. Discuss them with your doctor before making any purchase because in big doses, some supplements can actually damage your health uh, and they can also interact in the body with other medications. So definitely run it past your GP before splashing your cash on any of these things. I just got a bit sad thinking about Shane Warne and uh, the advanced hair commercials that made him, well, certainly uh, didn't make him more famous, but he was much loved for them. Another thing that Shane Warne was pretty good at was, uh, well, having a big night out, shall we say. It turns out there is some new research that Australians are not very good at guessing their blood alcohol content on a night out. This is particularly relevant as we come into the Christmas party season and in some states, double demerit points. So how and where was this research rolled out? Yeah, that's right, Andy. So shock horror, drunk people aren't the best judges of how drunk they are, or or of anything else for that matter, I'd imagine. Um, So these researchers, uh, they surveyed about 2,000 people aged between 18 to 31, so top drinking age, uh, on a night out in various bits of Queensland in sort of nighttime precincts. Now, they asked them to estimate how much alcohol was in their blood, and then they actually did the test with the breathalyzer. And how how different were these two uh, estimations or calculations? Well, it varied a bit, Andy. So unsurprisingly, those who were very drunk thought they were less drunk than they than they were. Uh, so far, so obvious. But more surprising, those who actually had a very low blood alcohol were likely to overestimate it. So people who were very mildly drunk thought that they're drunker than they actually were. And people in the middle who were just a, a bit drunk, mildly drunk, they were actually the most likely to to guess correctly. That's interesting that people that weren't terribly inebriated uh, assumed that they were more so. I suppose that's the sort of research that, uh, you know, road fatality and uh, police and state authorities don't really want to make a big deal over because certainly the road fatalities in this country uh, due to drink driving are just shocking. However, it's always bothered me in a way that that one technology that you can use to independently verify your your blood alcohol content is mainly only owned by the police. Why don't we have more mm. blood alcohol technology on our phones or in our cars? Why why is that? Do you think? It's an interesting point. Uh, I think probably the car manufacturers are a little bit wary of drawing any attention to anything negative about their product. Um, but, you know, perfectly feasible to have an alcohol breathalyzer on your car 
uh, that prevents you from driving if you're over the limit. Well, and, well, you know, that seems certainly if you've, seems uh, like a, you've been in front of the judge before. I think it's called interlock. But a few years ago, I yeah. did buy one of those smaller handheld ones, and you have to get it calibrated every few months. So you have to take it back to the shop, and which obviously improves the kind of uh, accuracy. But it's one of those steps that puts the consumer further away from the independent verification of their blood alcohol content. Uh, you were uh, planning to uh, have a big Christmas party this week, uh, this this month at the Australian Science Media Centre. What sort of things do you get up to? Uh, well, we do have a Christmas lunch <clears throat> planned, but it's about a week and a half off. Um, I'm not sure if we'll be drinking a lot of alcohol or if we'll just be sticking to a delicious glass of ant milk. That is a wonderfully scientific answer. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> pupy milk. Dr. Joseph Milton from the Australian Science Media Centre. It's been a pleasure to have you this year. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you, and thanks for joining me on your Friday night. A very Merry Christmas to you too, Andy, and everyone who's listening. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.